Wow. I'm going to tell you, if you don't know me, my name is, what's my name again? Oh, yeah. I'm the boss, man. I'm Papa Bear. I'm my wife's sugar daddy. I'm the sweetest thing she ever has had. Don't come no finer than to be in Carolina. Something like that. I don't know where that just came from. That is not the anointing. I promise you that. My, it's good to be home. It really is. It's good to see you all. Good to see you all. And uh, we're just we're so blessed to be here. You know, I have really, uh, I, think, I just thank God for the staff and the leadership you have in this church. Because of what the church has went through in the last year and a half has been the most incredible, devastating darkness that I've ever seen in ministry. And to see it come out the other side and, you know, your, your lower numbers were from where you used to be. But that's okay because, you know, what I found in the spirit is that God is separating anyway. He's just, you know, we're in the separation stage. I hate to say that, but that's where we are. Not that people aren't here are, are bad people. They're just not as good as you all are. That's all I can say about that. But anyway, we appreciate you being here. But, you know. I'll get into the message in a minute because it is, uh, I've worked the last probably several days, maybe the last couple of weeks, just trying to empty myself and just empty myself and empty myself and say, Lord, you know, I just, I don't know. I mean, there's so many things and I, I prayed about it. God, what do you want me to say? And I, I brought I brought all of my messages with me because I thought, well, I've got 6,000 here to choose from. I'll just, you know. But I, I started going, I said, oh, Lord, I'm so confused. I, what do you want me to do? And I really believe in the depths of my soul. What I'm going to share with you is a prophetic word for this body, and I believe for this region. And I can see some things happening already. My wife's message, we don't, we don't, uh, we don't share what we're going to share with each other. I had no clue what her message was, not a clue. She has no, I gave her the title of my message. That's what I said. She said, oh, that's going to be good. Well, the title's good. I don't know about the message, but the title's great. But uh, she gave a message this morning that just rocked my world. I'm, I'm just, I'm sitting down there thinking, man, I should just give it up to her the second service because I'm telling you, she was absolutely over the top. I have never, and I've been with her a long time, but I have never seen her minister the way she did. It was just like a, it was just like a, well, it was that, that, that apostolic thing. And she was just putting stuff in the spirit. It was just changing the whole atmosphere and made it kind of easy for me as well, you know, this morning. So I appreciate that. Well, how y'all doing? Doing good? Yeah. I've asked Barb to, uh, to switch the service up a little bit because I really want at the end not to, be, uh, not to be disrespectful to the anointing. So when God moves at the end, I really want him to be here. And so sometimes when you, you, you shift out of and go into another different mode and I didn't want that to happen, so I really wanted, I asked her, she graciously said, after she fought with me for a while, but no, not really, but she said, okay, great, no, it's no problem, and so uh, I just think all the stuff is out of the way now. We got it all out of the way now. Now we can just focus on what God wants to deliver today and how he wants to minister to you today, because that's why we're here. That's, that's why we're here. We're not here to just speak. We're here to really, hopefully, uh, just speak into your life in a more powerful way, okay? Now, what I'm going to do to you, I'm going to do something a little different that I haven't done, I can't remember when. 
But I'm going to share with you, I have a lot of pages of notes that, I, uh, that I've, I've handwritten. And okay, there's several pages here, quite a few pages of notes. I don't know how many there are. I've written down a lot. But I really believe that everything I'm going to share with you is really right from God's throne. And I, I say that very humbly. It's something that God has given me, and I really want it to get into your spirit today. So however many are here, you can grab it, put it into your hearts, and then take it to those who are not here because they need to know that we are in perilous times, and there's, there's, there's nothing like this day we're living in. Uh, if you could see what is, you've seen what has happened. Uh, with all of this uh, COVID, and I'm not going to speak against that or any way, shape, or form because I know people's faith are at different levels, and I get all that, and I understand that. Uh, but the truth of it is that, you know, we've been through some real dark, dark seasons here lately, very dark. I don't think we're out of them. I think we're still in the dark season. I believe that God's going to bring us out. Some things are going to happen. But isn't it interesting that, that the dark season hit the church, which is the glory of Almighty God, and it drove the glory of God out of the house. And we understand it because of fear. We understand fear, what fear can do. But then they never rec recovered and came back into the glory. Something is wrong with that. And so I asked God, God, what is happening? What is going on, you know, that needs to be said in this hour? So I believe I'm going to share that with you. And a lot of this I'm going to, uh, when I get to certain parts of it, you'll notice that when I get to a certain part, I will stop teaching, and I will go into a prophetic mode, and I will read it as God gave it to me. Is that okay? You all here? All right. Say this. Say, I know I can handle it. Say, I can handle the prophetic word because God's in his word. You see, if you're searching for God in any other avenue, you're not going to find him. He's found only in his word. That's what Jesus called himself. The word. And so we know that, that that's how we're going to get the truth, right? All right. Now, I've titled this message, The Poverty of Satisfaction. Now, I want to go into Philippians chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 13 and 14. Let me throw these little specks on for a minute because the Bible's a little bit smaller. But Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and verse 14. Here's what the word says. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 26 and verses 27. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore... I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. Now, I want you to catch this, but I discipline my body. Isn't that interesting? We're spiritual beings, but all of a sudden the Spirit of God says, discipline your body. I discipline my body and bring it, the body, into subjection. My, I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. You're talking about the Apostle Paul. In my humble opinion, the greatest flesh and blood man who ever lived outside of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Apostle Paul. I say that because he received revelations and wrote them down for you and I to enjoy, which is practically all of the New Testament. 
the letters to the churches, which is phenomenal revelation. In fact, if you're reading your Bible, I'm hoping you're reading it every day, but you should spend more time in the, the epistles, we call them. Uh, spend more time in those than any other parts of the Bible. The reason is because they're written to you, the church. And they're very critical to understand and to really comprehend by the Spirit. But Paul the Apostle is this great, great man of God. And he said, I, Paul, discipline my body. My body. I discipline my body. I bring that body under subjection. Think about that. Lest when I have preached to others, I, Paul, should become disqualified. When I read those words, I get chills over my spirit. And I think, God, if the Apostle Paul, who I believe was a great, great, great man of God, felt as though he could become disqualified in the things of God, I need to take heed at what he's saying here. How many believe that? And if, and if I do, I know that you do as well. So we need to listen, okay? Prophetic words are the hardest word to deliver because they're going to be, they're going to cut into your bones. They're going to cut into your soul. They're going to cut into your mind. They're going to mess you up. They're going to play with you. And, and they're going to hopefully at the end will get you all straightened out, get your thinking back in line. How many have had a tough go of it this past year or so uh, uh, just in your flesh? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Everybody raise your hand. Put your hand up. One thing we're not going to do is lie in the house of God. We're not going to do that, okay? So I want to talk to you about this poverty of satisfaction because uh, spiritual satisfaction can lead us into a place of spiritual poverty. And I think that's where many are today. Our own spiritual complacency many times keeps us from striving forward into the great places of the kingdom of God. How many know there are great places in the kingdom of God? I'll end this message with those great places that God wants to bring you to. Spiritual satisfaction always leads to spiritual paralysis. I have felt that in my own life these past few years. I'm like, you feel paralyzed. You feel like you just can't get through where you need to be because you almost get satisfied in the life that you think you're leading, which you think is really a godly thing, but turns out it's not so godly after all. And how do we know it's not so godly? Because you begin to fall away. When you fall away, that ain't God. So spiritual, I'm, I'm smug, I'm spiritually satisfied, I don't have a need of anything. And the Bible is very clear that when you get that way, that you are really paralyzed in your spirit world, in your spirit life. And we become useless in the kingdom of God. Spiritual satisfaction is a vice that will grip you. And we have to fight against that vice every single day of our lives. This is why you're failing, Christian, is because you've given up the fight. You've given up that spirit of tenacity that I'm going to fight, and I'm going to bring my body under subjection, I'm going to bring everything under subjection to God, and I'm going to say, God, I'm going to do this because I don't want to lose you. I don't want to lose what you have for me. I don't want to lose my destiny in you. So we struggle with these things all the days of our life. And it's those who finish the end, who go all the way to the end and finish and break through. Those are the ones that enter into the joy of the Lord. How about you? Do you want to go into the joy of the Lord? 
or are you complacent to stay right where you are? I have a lot of questions for you today. So there has to be a reversal and a refusal in our hearts to accept this thing called, you know, I, I'm, I, if I try it, I may fail. I may not make it through. And the truth of it is you may fail a few times. You may fall. You may feel like you don't want to give up or give, up, give in rather and overcome. Some of the things I believe in our life that we do face are insurmountable. They're, they're odds that we face that we just can't get out of this, it seems like, like this darkness we've been in for a year and a half now, overwhelming losses in our life, entrapments of things in the past or difficulties we face or the fear of the future, what's going to happen. I have never looked at the future more than I've looked right now. And I just said, God, really, I don't really care about the ministry part of it is just flat out hard work and all of that. You know, it's difficult. But the truth of it is, is that I don't want to get to the end of my life and say, God, I did this and I did that and I did this, but I never achieved the satisfaction of knowing you in a more personal way. So it comes down to that. I've been reading lots of books uh, the last couple of years and books about heaven and books about eternity and books about things that we should be reading about other than, you know, how can I be successful in this hour? How can I overcome little idiosyncrasies we go through in our life? I want to know about the eternal God. How many can shout amen? amen. I want to know that. I think it's a very powerful thing that we should be digging into. So we have a fear of the future many times. And I believe contentment with things that, you know, that, that really are the mark of a true Christian. My wife tells me all the time, she always tells me this, and it makes me so mad when she tells me this, because truth always kind of stirs you up a little bit, doesn't it? Truth is like, oh, tell me something else, you know. Let me wallow with me a little bit, you know. But she never does that. She'll say, listen, you need to be thankful you need to understand what you have. You need to make sure that you're looking toward the future. You need to understand that there is suffering in life. We have to go through these difficult seasons of our life. And all the empty chairs that they were once full about a year or so ago, every one of those empty chairs today are somebody who has lost hope that they didn't endure the suffering of the present time, and they've given up, and they've went their own direction trying to fulfill what they're looking for, and that compassion can only be filled in knowing Jesus Christ of Nazareth. There is no other way to do that. So you have to get to know him. So the great men of God have always had this something on the inside of them that was hungry, more hungry, for the things of God. How many know what I'm talking about? When you get hungry for God in such a way you just can't stop until you fill up that hunger space for God. And even in Psalms it tells us over and over again, that our, our soul pants after God. We look for God in every, everything of every facet of our life. And these cries from the psalmist over and over again are just really echoes of life that we go through every season of life. You know, I'm, I'm standing up here preaching this morning. I, I just, it just totally hit me that one of my favorite people that I love so much is not with us any longer. You know, I, I love I love Paul. I loved him so much. He was such a great guy. And not to be here during that season and experience that loss from a distance was very difficult for us. And I know it's difficult for you uh, as well, Karen. And, and our hearts go out to that. But, you know, when you think about that, these are just the frustrations, the seasons of life, the things that we go through that every child of God will go through. But I'm proud to see she's on the front row. She's serving God. She's worshiping God. She's going bigger and bigger into knowing him, which is what this is really all about. Amen? Yeah. 
So when you get to the end of your life, we hope that you're going to be more excited about God than you are right now. So these cries, hope and fear, love and hate, happiness, frustration, all these things, when you're having a good faith day, then you have an anxiety day, then you have a joy day, then you have a despair day. How many know what I'm talking about? We're going through these difficult seasons of life. So we go through all these times that we have to get through, and there's no way around it. One minute, we're shouting. The next minute, we're shaking. One minute, we have this thrill of faith that surges us. We're so excited about this faith. The next minute, we have fear that threatens us. And we wonder, where did that come from? I will go to the house of God. I will serve the Lord. I'll be a blessing. I will give. I will do whatever I've got to do. That's that faith speaking. And then COVID-19 comes in, and the news tell you about everybody's going to die, and the whole church empties out. I'm not blaming you, but the whole church empties out, and you go from this great faith to this great fear, and it happens just like that. Do you see where we're at today? The church has got to change. You can't operate in that realm. You can't, you can't live in that realm. You can't justify your walk in that realm. One minute you're full of confidence. The next minute you're at the point of collapse. All of our struggles and all of our victories should have one common purpose, and that's to create in us an insatiable hunger for God. If that doesn't drive you to that place in your life, then you're probably just missing the whole concept of this thing called the walk of faith. And I know we've all been there, and we're all going to go there again. So the greatest in the kingdom of God were those who had a longing for God that consumed them. It propelled them upward and onward to, to, the, to the place where the average eyes cannot see. The place where, you, you know, when you talk about this stuff, if you're seeing with average eyes, you're saying, I just... I'm just a Christian. I, I'm just, I read when I can. I, I go to church when I can. I, I give when I can. I give what I can. I serve when I can. I do the best that I can. That's an average thinking Christian. And the average thinking Christian will never attain to what I'm going to talk about in just a moment. You'll never get there. You'll strive for, if you, if you even stay in the kingdom, you'll strive for 20 years, 30 years, or even longer. But you'll never get there, and you'll wonder, I just never arrived. I never got a hold of it. I never knew God. I never knew his mercy. I never knew his grace. I never knew him at all. Jesus talks about that. He said, in that day, you, I'll say I never knew you. There has to be a knowing of him, not just an assemblance together to say I've been to church and I've given my money and I've, I've supported as much as I can. I did the best I could. That's average thinking. And average thinking will never cause you to arise above where you are. Now, that's some teaching there. Now, I'm going to go into the prophetic. And here's what God told me to ask you some questions today. And I want you to hear these because these are very, very important. The first question that God put in my spirit to ask you, in fact, he asked them of me. And I want you to hear this. How hungry are you? How hungry are you? Think about that. I mean, I live with a woman that is, the, in my opinion, the most godly woman that I know. I'm not saying that, I'm, I'm just, I'm telling you, to live with her, you better live right. 
Because if you don't live right, she's going to know you ain't living right. I mean, she's a godly woman. I see her get up in the morning. She even gets angry at me. Don't talk to me right now. I got to go put some music on. I got to put a tape on. She listens to this preacher. I won't even mention his name. And it isn't Jerry Pruitt. It's somebody else. But, <laughs> but she listens to this preacher that encourages her and gets her excited about the things of God, you know. And I'm sitting out there sometimes just drinking coffee thinking, am I even saved? But, I mean, how hungry are you? How hungry are you? Don't get religious with me, but how hungry are you really? Just this morning, I'm going over that question in my own mind. I had to run run into the bedroom, and I had to get a pen and come back out. And I said, the only way to gain hunger is to empty your stomach of what you have eaten in the past. What have you been feeding on that has really not nourished your soul? Who have you been hanging with that has taken the hunger for Almighty God out of your spirit? Think about that a minute. Do I have friends that aren't really friends because friends would never take you from the anointing. It would push you toward the anointing, even if they don't carry it. Think about that a minute. And I get righteous indignation in my spirit. But the only way that I can answer the question of how hungry I really am, the only way I can know what hunger really is, is to empty all the garbage that I had in my stomach originally or in my spirit originally, empty that of all that stuff and get back to the basics of faith once again. And once I do that, I can see am I hungry for God or am I not hungry for God? Not going through the motions of, you know, playing praise music in your car, you know, going through the motions of reading, even reading your Bible every day. Even that can become a thing where you you do it and it's the right thing to do. It's a good thing to do. But it really doesn't create a hunger, an insatiable appetite for God Almighty. That's exciting. When you realize that nothing in this life is going to really sustain me through my life other than creating what's in me to take, take it out of me so I can create in me a fresh anointing from God and feed myself on the things of God. This is, very, this is prophetic. Listen very carefully. The man with the emptiest stomach is more likely to find the place to eat. You take a man who is hungry or a woman who is hungry for God, they're going to find the place to get fed. They're going to say, I'm going there and I'm going to get fed there. They're looking for that, that place where I can fill up the emptiness that I have. See, a lot of times, especially this past year and a half, people stay at home. They've become empty. They've emptied themselves. They got out of the swing of hearing the word and doing the word. And, you know, and like, you know, most of us, we just sat around and for a while and ate. My wife and I, we didn't, we got out every day because I just, I can't, if you, you don't know me, but I can't, there's no way I'm sitting home. I don't care what the world says. We're going out. So we did. But, you know, we, we, we stay home. We isolate, which is the enemy's a tactic. We isolate, and once we're isolated, the hunger of God begins to pull out of your soul. And you don't even know it until later on. And you'll say, wow, I need to begin to feed myself again. I need to get this spirit back in me again where I can get hungry for the things of God. So how hungry are you? Secondly, how united are you? 
Think about this. How united are you? Now, this is prophetic. This is not teaching. How united are you? Are you alone or are you plugged into the kingdom of God? Think about that. Together we live. Together we die. Together we depend on God. Together we make the journey together. Together we pray. Together we witness. Together we learn the Bible. Together we grow up. Together we fill up our church so that others can come and be filled as well. Think about that. United. How united are you in your personal life? When you are united, you're creating strength. When you are isolated, you create weakness. Question number three. How powerful is your life? How powerful is your life? How powerful is your life? Are you really seeing results in your life? Think about that. I mean, my wife and I, we love to pray for people. We love what we call hard cases. Those that said, ah, it takes a miracle. Well, that's what we do. This is what we do. We love to pray for people who need a miracle. And so we pray for people. Now, my wife is full of faith. I mean, she is an incredible, faithful woman. Can I tell you a story? Yeah. I mean, you're going to share it or let me share it? You already had enough stage today. You want some more? Come on up here. No, I want everybody to see you. Come on up here. Everybody give my wife a little applause. She's Share with them the miracle. Make it short. I'll make it short. <laughs> Okay, um, a year and a half ago, uh, most of you know, we moved to Wisconsin. And uh, as we was at uh, Wisconsin, you know, you have to meet new doctors and, you know, and get all your stuff, your ducks in a row. So uh, one of the doctors that I went to was an eye doctor. And uh, during a regular routine visit, he diagnosed me of going blind. Now, I don't know if you guys remember the last time I was here, I said I was facing a giant. But I never told anybody what that giant was. There was only like three, maybe four people that knew. And sometimes we have to fight our battles ourselves, but I'm not going to go there. And so anyway, um, I just had to take that to my prayer closet every single day of my life. And it, it was the most overwhelming thing that had hit me in, in years and years and years to know that you're going blind and you have, to, you have no recourse to stand on God's word or go blind. And so anyway, within that year and a half, I spent a lot of time every day in my prayer closet, not praying for him to do it, but thanking him that he did it and taking my communion. I hope that encourages you. So to end the story, just picture if it was you, how you'd have to do this every day of your life, just really believing God, calling those things which were not as though they were. And so anyway, when we got back here, uh, we had a wonderful eye surgeon that we went to once a year to do our due diligence. And when I went, I didn't tell him a word about what was diagnosed over my eyes. And he said, well, he said, I have to tell you, everything's in perfect order. He says, you have no diseases of any kind in your eyes. He says, you have, even though you wear glasses, you have 20-20 vision. And your eyes are so strong and so healthy. Hallelujah. Yeah. Lori, did you even, did she, did she mention the diagnosis in the beginning? I didn't hear it. Okay. Anyway, so God did a miracle there. So you need to understand that your life must contain the power of God. And you're never going to know when somebody's going to pop into your life and say, I need prayer. And you're going to say, like, well, 
I'll find somebody who I know can pray for you. You have to be ready for the power of God to flow. How powerful is your life? When you pray for people, are you seeing things happen? You know, the Lord rebuked me on this, and I, I thought, I can't say that, but the Lord rebuked me because he was perfect, right? Does anybody can show me anywhere in Scripture where Jesus laid hands or, or prayed for anybody that they were not healed? No, they, they were all healed. And he said, you're going to do the same things that I do. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute here. But here's what the Lord said to me. You know, he said, when the power of God is flowing through your life, you can pray for 100 people and 100 people will be healed. I said, Lord, that's impossible. That's impossible. I mean, if we get one healed, we're like, we jump on that and we get excited about that person who healed. How about the 99 people that need a healing and didn't get it? See, we got to have the power of God flowing through our life. Amen? Got to have that flowing in our life. So how powerful is your life? Number four, how blessed is your life? Blessed enough to help others? I hope so. Now, here we go. Today, we have churches and this is the prophetic part. you you got to hang on. Will you forgive me before I even start? Today we have churches excited about nothing. A man once said, the problem with many women is that they get excited over nothing and then marry them. I'm just giving it to you, Okay. I hate to say this, but the American church is getting excited over nothing. It's amazing. Before I get specific, let me just state the results of being excited over nothing. And this is important. We lose a little bit of our nation every day. Our freedoms are slipping away right before the most powerful force on earth which is the church of the living God. He, he gave us every tool to do everything we need to accomplish in this earth. And yet every day, our freedoms are disappearing. And it's dividing not only the country, it's dividing the church, which is the weird part. Every single day, we did not lose it just because liberals took it, but because we, the church, gave it away. We did everything to America but one thing, and that is convert it to Jesus Christ. We didn't do that. I thank my wife for applauding. Thank you, honey. I appreciate that. It's a spirit that begins to grip the hearts and minds of the people of the kingdom. I don't think like the world. I don't act like the world. I don't speak like the world. I'm different than the world. I'm a word man. You should be a word person. I'm not interested in opinions, as my wife said in the first service. I'm interested in what the Bible has to say. And when you understand that, that the church today gets excited over nothing, events, conferences, life coaches, success seminars, we have rallies, sing-ins, sing-along, sing-about, concerts all over America up until this plague hit. And by the way, there are church services filled to capacity every single Sunday, even now, who do not invite people to meet Jesus Christ. Excited over nothing. They're excited over nothing. Not one life is transformed. 
because they're not given a chance to transform. They do their thing in the, for the most part. And I'm speaking very prophetically, but they do their thing for the most part. And all of a sudden, you know, they just go back out and do their thing again. Pastors all over our cities, all across America, refuse to come together to win souls. They will not do it. My kingdom, my pea patch, it's my church. We're going to do it my way. We're not going to unite to win a city. We're going to stay separated so the devil can just pick off who he wants to pick off on the fringes. And the church never grows beyond where it is because we don't know him. We just know stuff. We know events. When's the next event happening? When's the next thing happening? Everything we get excited about these days has nothing to do with winning souls. Too many Christians are excited about, and here's going to be a little tough right here. Too many Christians are excited about the ridiculousness and are bored with the spiritual. We're excited about the ridiculous stuff. That doesn't matter. I'm going to show you what the ridiculous stuff is in a minute. But we forget about the spiritual stuff. My goodness, times like these, moments like these, I just feel like, Lord Jesus, let me just say amen and go eat some lunch. You see how quiet it is? I hope that the Spirit's dealing with your heart. I want to mention four of these ridiculous things. Four of them we've all been guilty of. Four of them. that are. See, I've been hanging around the prophets the last couple of years, and so it's a little difficult for me to be on the nicey, nicey plane. I have to share it like it is. I want to mention four of these. Number one, we get excited about ridiculous perks. Perks. A lot of churches have valet parking. We've seen it happen. You know, oh, I'm going to go to that church because they have valet parking. Slick programs. Starbucks coffee, which I wouldn't give you a nickel for anyway. Preaching that sounds like fortune cookies. But Christians are not excited about Jesus Christ himself. If Jesus was to walk in many pulpits in America, they would boo him off the platform because they would not like what he really had to say because he would tell them something that would save their soul, change their life, and cause them to look differently at God. I am fed up with the ridiculous churches in America today. I'm sorry for that statement, but I am. And I've been at this a lot longer than most of you. Church has become a harmless gathering that is socially acceptable instead of a threat to the powers of darkness in the community. The devil don't sweat you. He's not worried about you. He don't care about you because he has the world right where he wants it. Who would have thought a year and a half ago that the devil, the spirit of darkness, the spirit of antichrist, could control the world overnight. Think about that. That should frighten your soul. It should say, wait a minute, hold everything. Stop everything. How did that happen? 
What happened that we were we allowed as the most powerful force on earth, the force that holds back the Antichrist, the revealing of the son of perdition, you, the church, holds that spirit back. It can't do anything with our, without us allowing it to, and yet we've all slipped into our own slumber and realized that all of a sudden we have to wake up now to say, okay, we've missed it. We've missed it. And I know this church, this, this, this message will offend because people want the love. Hang on. We'll get there if I'm invited back. I've got to take time to, to read this scripture as much as I hate to take the time. But, you know, let the Bible speak for the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 3, the whole chapter. It's only 17 verses. But listen. But know this, know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying his power. And from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jamus resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith that they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, which persecutions I endured out of them all the Lord delivered me. And yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which you are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's Timothy. How many children of God have read that chapter and jumped up shouting hallelujah, glory to God for righteousness' sake? No, we're looking for the next person who will tickle the ears, make us feel good about ourselves. Do a little pulpit counseling to make you feel really good. And then we send you back out as sheep to a slaughter. And we wonder why the house of God is emptying. It's emptying because people are in fear rather than in faith. Now watch. So we get excited about ridiculous things. The second thing is we're excited about celebrity. Oh, folks, hang on. Celebrity. If we can get so-and-so... We're going to do really good. I have a friend of mine. 
very good friend of mine, very close friend of mine. We're brothers that I met in Nashville. His name is Kent Christmas, and you've, you've heard of him because now he's a household name in the kingdom. It's amazing what prophecy can do to you. It's amazing. I sat in his church. He had 70 people. Seriously. Preached the same way. 70 people. But I've never met a more righteous man than him. Godly man. Prayer man. But he was doing the right things, but yet he just looked kind of pitiful because he had such a powerhouse message. I even told him at lunch, I said, you're one of the greatest preachers. I've, one of the greatest preachers I've ever heard. And he wept like a, like a child because he's a humble man of God. But God has taken that man where it seemed like to the world that he was a loser, a failure. And God has kissed him. And now he's preaching all over the world, anywhere he wants to go. Anywhere he wants to go and preach because he is not a celebrity. He was never moved by celebrities. And we are not moved by celebrities. Some pastors and leaders are so desperate for acceptance that they cave in on their convictions every chance they're given. I could name names. My Lord, I could name names. In the past year, maybe two years, there's been the greatest departure from the faith by so-called men of God, stand in the pulpit and say, I'm done. I'm no longer a Christian. You're looking at 5,000 people. Great success, you would think, but there was zero on their life. They were adored as celebrity, but yet behind closed doors, they were sleeping with their congregants, smoking dope, shooting dope, living like demons and devils. And then we want to run to them and, oh, we want to rescue them. Forget about the thousands of lives and ten thousands of lives that they destroyed in the body of Christ. And now those people will never come back to God because of the lifestyle that they lived. Because we, the people of God, have put people like that, and it's ridiculous. We made them celebrities. But if Jesus comes in the church, you wouldn't see him, probably in the pulpit. He'd be over by the offering plate. Sue's faithful. He would be at the back looking who's worshiping. Look at them. Look at that sick person. They need to be healed. He wouldn't be up here espousing great knowledge and wisdom in their 40s. People in the 40s don't have great knowledge and wisdom. They haven't lived long enough to be great wisdom. Seriously, folks, you got to live it. You got to have the battle scars. You got to you got to know what you're talking about. You can't get in front of people and preach a message and think that's a good message. Oh yeah, they love that. That's ridiculous. It's all about Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He's the glory. Without him there is none. Excited about celebrity. These people don't talk about existence of hell in their pulpits. What the Bible says about marriage, God forbid. Half of the evangelicals now are espousing homosexual marriage. What has happened to the church, the living church of God? Don't espouse that under the umbrella of love because that's not love. You are condemning people to a hell without God because you're not giving them the knowledge of the truth. And you must stay with the truth. And somebody out there better shout me down a little bit. Or you're showing your true colors.
And they do all this crazy stuff. And they never ask people to accept Christ into their hearts. How sad is that? You know why? Because they don't know him. They don't know him. I remember the day that I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. The weight of the world of my sin rolled off of me. And I stood to my feet and said, I never knew that. I, I believed in Jesus, but I didn't know the acceptance and forgiveness. And when that happened in my life, I said, that's it. And that's been my message ever since for 40-some years. That doesn't change. Not about celebrity. Just because leaders have a big following doesn't make them right. In fact, I would question it immediately because of that. Number three, ridiculous. We're excited about mystical experiences, but not willing to pay the price for genuine miracles. Think about that. Somebody says, I found a feather in the sanctuary. It's the Holy Ghost left the feather. I said, Lord, are, are people going to be that stupid all their life? <laughs> Honestly, that stupid all their life. They found something that's not even in the Bible. Not in the Bible. It's just not there. It's not in the Bible. But we, we flock to see this kind of stuff because it is a mystical experience. It's mystical because we can't explain it because it's not found in the Bible. I'm not called to preach on mystical experiences. I'm called to preach what the Word of God says. And that's not in the Bible. It's not there. So when you find feathers, you just found feathers. That's all you did, found feathers. I challenge you to take them down and have them analyzed. You found a goose in the sanctuary. I promise you, those are not heavenly angels. Does not exist. Not there, not in the Bible. We flock to things. We're flocking to people who smell fragrances like, oh, can you smell the fragrance of the Holy Spirit? No. It's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. And if there was a fragrance of the Holy Spirit, it'd be so out of this world, you wouldn't have a clue what you're smelling anyway. We're weird. People of, of God are weird. We're just excited about ridiculous things called this mystical experiences in God. But we forget about the genuine miracles of God. What about someone coming in someday, wheeled in the wheelchair, and say, I believe Jesus Christ. And they get out of the wheel, not pulled out, but they just get up and say, my God, look at me. And they run all over the place, healed by the power of God. Who gets the glory for that? Jesus Christ gets the glory for that. Not man. can't binge on prophecy. can't binge on emotion. Don't place personal words above the Bible. Don't place emotion of binges above the Bible, above winning souls. We can't be excited about meetings that bless us, but make us look crazy to outsiders. That's in Corinthians, by the way. They'll think you're crazy when they come in. I don't want anybody to think we're crazy. I want them to walk into church and say, that's something in here. Just, it's just something. I don't know what it is, but it's something out of this world. I had witches come to our church, not here but in Wisconsin. Witches, they would come to check it out because we were the talk of the whole area. Go check it out, and they would come in and check it out. 
And I had one of them tell me afterwards, I treated them very kindly. Uh, talked to me afterwards, I was talking, and they said, she said, I said, well, how, what do you think? What do you think? I stayed for the whole service, healing line, all that stuff. And I said, what do you think? She said, well, I tell you what, I felt like this is, uh, I could work well with what I felt here. She goes, I'm a white witch. I'm not a black witch. I'm a white witch. You know, not in color, but white. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I'm white magic. I don't like black magic. And I said, oh, that's, that's good, I guess. What do you think about the service? Well, there was something here that I've never felt before. I said, that was called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, yes, he's the power of God. What you felt was the real holy fire of God is what you felt. This is what you felt. So that's it. Fourth ridiculous thing, hypergrace teaching that excites but removes the urgency of the Christian to work until Jesus comes and also removes the urgency of, the, of really the loss to repent. When you don't preach the truth and nothing but the truth, then the loss you're doing disservice to and they'll never repent because you don't tell them to. Lost will do whatever you tell them to. How do I know that? Because they're sheep. They're lost sheep. You tell them whatever to do, they'll do it. We used to do this great production. Remember Pastor Paul and Jennifer and you guys with us all the past? And we did uh, this crazy. We did it here too. Heartbreak Hotel. And it was all carnal and earthly and crazy music and all the light smoke and mirrors. And I got so much blasted so much for that. But at the end of all this nonsense of the night, I would say, okay, now it's time for me to go up there and wipe the smile off their face. We got them happy in the flesh. And now we're going to go up and destroy them in the spirit. And I would do that. I'm not kidding you. They are sheep. People are sheep. And I said, on the count of three, you need Jesus Christ in your life? Raise your hand. One, two, three. 200 hands. All right, put them down. That don't mean, I said, that don't mean nothing to me. Don't mean nothing to God. You're talking to people that need to be led. And I said, here's the second thing I want you to do. On the count of three, stand up. When I say three, okay, one. To see where you're really at. One, two, three. They all stood up. Why? Because I told them to. Okay. Now on the count of three, I want you all to come down front. And don't you dare sit back down. I would tell them what to do because they were sheep lost. And I would say one, two, three. And they just flood the altar. I'm not kidding you. It would be so many people just, I mean, just packed. And I say, okay, you're not there yet. You need to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. So I'm going to pray this prayer with you, and on the count of three, I want you to tell me, you raise your hand, that you prayed, one, two, three, and all their hands will go up, and they're smiling faces, they were so happy, and I'd pick a few out, your name, what's your name? Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, because the Bible says so, and what you're doing is you're leading people. People will do exactly what you tell them to do. So if you're not preaching the gospel across the pulpit while they can hear it, they don't have a chance to repent, because you're not telling them to. If you're telling them their homosexual lifestyle is okay, God understands it. God's a God of love. Don't worry about it. God will straighten it all out. You are not telling them the truth. The truth is that is an abomination to God. I know half of evangelicals don't believe that. Too bad for you. You're in darkness. You just don't know. If you do know, then shame on you. I know you all want me to get done here, so let me get done. All right. 
No, pass that one up. You can't handle that one. Let's just pass that. Jesus Christ should be the excitement of the church. Nothing else. Not a program. Nothing. Should we do the best music? By the way, Alex, it was awesome. But listen, that has nothing to do with changing people's lives. Ushering should be excellent. Doesn't change lives. Church service, how well it runs, doesn't change lives. What changes lives is Jesus Christ. When we come into a church, it's all about Jesus. He should be the excitement of the church, and we have to let him conquer each of us and take over our lives and take over our nation once again. We need the old-fashioned gospel preached. I'm going to bring some predictions to you, and I'm done. We have to be very keen and aware of what God is doing in 2021. You cannot be caught off guard. Everything we do is at stake. There's an all-out attack against all that we are and all that we stand for. Satan is throwing one of his very last tantrums in the earth. It's all he is. He's a spoiled, dark entity, and he hates light. This is a year of manifestations, darkness, and a cloud with glory on the earth at the same time. Did you know that? People say, it's so dark. I don't know. What are we going to do? We're wringing our hands. What are we going to do? Christians are so screwed up. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, get your answer from the Bible, right? Isaiah 60, verse 2, For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will rise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. What's our job? Run to the glory. Run to the glory. Now listen, we will begin to climb out of an economic crisis only if the body of Christ will begin to tithe and worship God once again rather than seek and serve mammon. We are the only ones who can remove the curse from our nation. There's no other. Listen, in case you haven't been looking and paying attention, every politician is a liar. They all lie. They're in it for whatever they can get from it. Very few servants anymore. That's why some of you should probably run and serve. Our answer is in Jesus Christ. We need to activate the altars of God. And I'm going to do that in a moment. I see in the spirit a coming spiritual awakening that will eventually start a revival in the church and spill over to the lost. The lost are just waiting for you to do something. I want you to listen because like never before, we will witness the mockery of Scripture like never before, mocking us every day online, on Facebook and Twitter and the, and the news media. They just mock Scripture. They mock God. Spirit of Antichrist. It's not only outside of the church, it's also inside the church. God is not done with America, certainly not done with the church in America. I believe the religious church will continue to shrink while the true church will become more powerful. Look out, light and darkness is clashing. 
separation of sheep and goats are happening, starting with the goat leaders. God is taking them out of the pulpits, getting rid of them, bringing embarrassment to them. Nobody should ever trust them ever again. Reconcile their spirit back to God, but never give them a position of authority again. This is our day. This is our time to be alive. I believe pulpit vocabulary will change from humanistic, man-pleasing words. Like, I, you may not like, I never, I'm not going to say that. I'll leave that alone for next time. Words replaced like repent, confess, sin, alter, abomination. Or my favorite, I always say, time to grow up. Seducing spirits have entered the house of God and lulled many to sleep. It's time to wake up out of that sleep. Preachers are going to begin to rise up and confront false teaching and heresy in the church. It's everywhere. Many church people are fighting to be dirty. Child of God, listen to me. Many of you are fighting for your right to be dirty. You're fighting for your right to sin. You're fighting for your right to do the wrong thing. You're fighting, but you never fought once for the right to do the right thing and the righteous thing. Say no to sin. No, I'm not doing that. No, I'm not giving into that. No, I'm not going down that road. I don't have to do that. I have God's spirit in me. I hope I do. And if I do, I have the ability to say no to that lifestyle. I'm not going to do it. Some of you have been so deep in sin in your past that when God saved you, you're like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Why would anybody not want to live for God? Why would you go back that? I mean, how many, how many have been drunk in your life and just puked your guts out? Let's be honest, okay? Yeah. Just puked your guts out. And you wake up the next morning and say, look at that puke. I think I'll lick that sucker up. I'm going to lick it up because it looks so good. That's how stupid we are as believers. We think, I'm not happy with Jesus. I'm not happy with the church. I'm going to go back into the world and get happy again. Are you a fool? You have lost it. We need preachers that will speak. Obviously, I'm never going to pastor again because I couldn't pastor and preach this because nobody would come back. Many church people are fighting to be dirty, fighting to be liberal, fighting to exercise their sin by declaring a twisted view of grace and a distorted interpretation of the gospel. Vindication is coming to preachers who refuse to turn their ears away from the truth and teach the pure word of God, which is the Bible. And lastly, I believe that we, the church, come out victorious as the preachers begin to go on offense again, not cower behind this culture of today, which is a sick, sick culture. Any culture that pulls you away from the Word of God is just simply not good. Great fire is coming to the house of God. You can't stop it. Hell can't stop it. Hang on to what I'm telling you because you're going to see it in the very near future. 
when it happens, you, I hope you're still here to, to see God can just bathe you in it. Otherwise, you're going to be out in the world trying to get back in. Fire. Without fire, there's no gospel. New Testament began with fire. Think about that. When God introduced himself to Moses, it was by fire. Jesus baptized in the Holy Spirit by fire. Fire must fall. Fire. Secondly, great power is coming. You can't stop it. Hell can't stop it. People won't have to have altar calls. They'll be healed just walking in the building. Grace is coming. It's going to be spectacular, but not the kind of grace that allows you to continue doing what you're doing under the umbrella of religious weirdness. Early church learned together, encouraged each other. They ate together. They didn't eat each other. They ate together. They prayed together. They pooled the resources together. Grace is favor. Jesus had favor. Daniel had favor. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had favor. Joseph, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they all had favor. Great numbers are coming as well. You don't have to worry about building the church. You don't build the church. Took me a long time to figure that out. I got nothing to do with it. Jesus said he would build the church. In the book of Acts, 3,000. One day. Church is 3,000 people. Look, I got a mega church in one day. Second day, they had 5,000 more. A week later, they had 20,000 that came in. Now, that by, by my estimation, that's 28,000 that we know of, not counting women and children. Multitudes, the Bible says after that. They couldn't even count them. Multitudes, then multiplication of the multitudes. They had a revival that the world has never seen, and they didn't even have the Bible. It wasn't written yet. Paul had to get saved and write the Bible as we know it, New Testament. Great miracles are coming, supernatural happiness. Joy is coming, unspeakable joy. And you can't stay in a love boat very long. Too many people want to stay in the love boat. It's like when you get married, and if you're fortunate enough, you get to go on a honeymoon. And the honeymoon... Maybe a week, right? And after the honeymoon, you got to roll up your sleeves and make that marriage work. So you can't stay in the love boat. So I'm, in, I'm Jesus' love, man. I'm hanging around the, I'm hanging around the love Jesus. I like, like that, like that, that crazy movie years ago, that racing movie. I can't remember. Like the baby Jesus. He's, I like the baby Jesus. Who doesn't like the baby Jesus? Who doesn't like the love boat? Who doesn't like to be loved? That's not what the Bible's all about. There's a whole lot in there that you probably don't even know anything about. And I promise you, the honeymoon is that short. But the life you have to walk out by faith is a lot bigger. Get born again, you feel nothing but love. But after all, you think, oh, wait a minute, hold on. What's going on here? How come I don't feel the way I used to feel? Because it's not about your feelings. It's about the walk of faith. Walk of faith is critical. Would you all stand, please? Thank you for allowing me to have a little bit of leeway this morning. I'm going to go away today needing prayer. Oh, thank you. How long are we going to play games? Seriously. How long are we going to do this? 
How long are we going to allow the devil to rake us over the coals with all this false, weird stuff that's happening in the world that has now infiltrated the church of Jesus Christ? Well, how long are we going to do that? I don't know about you, but I am up to here with it. Up to here with it. I was more happy to sit in that little church in Nashville, Tennessee. Could have preached any time I wanted to. Wide open door. Good friend. Very good friend. I could have stayed there with those 70 people and just heard great preaching and loved Jesus. Not about the big numbers. I feel sad for those who are not here. I feel sad that you're duped into believing lies. Lies. Enemy just dropping lies. All the time. How does a person with God's spirit inside fall for lies? Because you're looking for something other than the truth, which is Jesus Christ. That's it. There's nothing else. I'll tell you what. I don't go on Facebook very much anymore. I know the Lord's convicted me to go back on and do some stuff. But truthfully and honestly, I think it's the biggest blight and curse to the body of Christ that I've ever seen. I think social media is a joke. It's a joke. They don't like what you're saying. They just turn you off anyway. They just get rid of you and throw you out. It's a joke. This is where you get community. This is where you get friendship. This is where you meet God. This is what happens here. It doesn't, I don't care what you say. I've been at this a long time. God doesn't work through television. I'm sorry. How do I know that? It's not in the Bible. Well, you say, well, television wasn't in the Bible. Well, the Bible says this, gather together to more around the television as you see a day approaching. <laughs> gather together or more around Facebook as you see a day approaching. No, that's taking people out of the presence of each other where you gain your strength, your stability, where your accountability is, where you show up. And if you don't show up, somebody says, okay, I'll give you that one week, but boy, you better be here next week. If you're not here next week, where are you? What is going on? See, I think that is good. I think that's good. And then a spirit of rebellion that wants to do whatever they want to do because, after all, the preachers have been preaching for 40 years, don't know what they're doing, so we'll let somebody else who just got saved tell you what to do. Are we crazy? No. We're not. If I don't stop now, I'll never stop. <clears throat> I want to pray for you. I think it's very important we pray together today. Everybody come to the altar as quick as you can. Let's get together. Let's have a, just a moment or two at the altar. Let's have a moment or two at the altar. <clears throat> Hallelujah. I want to weep out for God. I, want, I don't want to get to, listen, I don't want you to get to the end of your days and look back and not have the memories of walking with Jesus hand in hand. Have you ever taken just 10 minutes and just got alone and closed the door and just get with him and say, Lord, I want to see you. I want to know you. Because think about this. Who's going to call you home someday? He's going to call you home someday. Does he know your name? Does he know you? Do you know him? 
I mean, is there a relationship to where you know that, you know what, God? I prayed a prayer, but I still, I'm not changed. There's something in me that's not right. You know that. You know who you are. I don't want you to feel like I'm condemning you. I'm not. We've all been there. I've, I go to that stage. I go to that place in my life every couple of months or so. I get before God. I want to make sure everything is good with you and me. Not that I'm not faithful about what he did. I just want to make sure my flesh is not overcoming my spirit. That my mind is being renewed to the things of God. What side am I on? I want to be on the right side. And the right side is always light. The other side is always darkness. That's how you know. It can sound right, but it doesn't make it right. It has to be found in the Bible. Don't you want to just give it up? Are you tired of fighting it? This is what the Lord told me to tell you today. I didn't want to do this. I had a nice message all picked out. I wanted to bless you. The Lord said, no, this is what I want. And I'm going to stand before him. I want to share what he said. This is important. Give it all. Don't hold nothing back. Do not hold it back. Let it go. Honey, you want to, you want to come up here with me? Somebody help her up. We want to see you transformed by the power of God. I can prophesy over this church right now, but this church, you have been shot at. You have been hit in many cases. The devil has thrown COVID at you. I mean, he's done everything. He's turned people that once were part of this body against you and against the things that you do. You have people in the back that sometimes in, in your world that speak against the people of God all the time. Da, 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 da. And they have such a form of godliness, but they deny the power by causing those kinds of things happen. That's not a godly thing. Aren't you sick of it? Don't you want to be righteous? Don't you want the righteousness of God to rule and reign in your life? I do. This church has been hit with everything. It, hit, it was hit, first of all, with us leaving. That's not easy. Not easy. When a personality such as my wife and I have, the strength that we carry to walk away from that and to put it in the hands of our daughter, as great as she is, it's still very difficult. But she filled the shoes. She did what God told her to do. And we're always there. We're always connected. But understand. go. I'll control this. Turn it all the way up. But she's done such an awesome job. And she, listen, she's been, and the great leadership that you have, that she has around you, these are people that followed me for 20-some years. I'm not a flake. I've been around a long time. I'm wanted in some places. And not on a poster either. But I am 
very happy where God's got this church. You may not understand this, but he has cleaned it. He has scoured it. He's removing the dross, the difficulties, the naysayer. It happens all the time. I've been at this business a long time. And every time this happens, the pruning of the twigs and the branches and, and the cutting around. And it, you stand back at a brand new tree that you just pruned. You think, God, I killed the tree. It looks dead. But then all of a sudden, it starts sprouting new ones. Sprouting new ones. And not only do you have a tree that's full, but now you have a tree that is dripping with fruit. God's concerned about one thing, and that's fruit. If you're not producing fruit, he will cut you to produce fruit. And when you're producing fruit, he'll cut you more to produce more fruit. So you stand the test. Folks, listen, I have nothing to gain here. I'm just telling you what God wants me to say. Hallelujah. Father, we worship you. magnify you. We glorify you. All that's within us, we just give you praise. You alone are worthy. All of us have shortcomings. Some are weaker than others. Some are stronger than others. But you are always there to lift us to another level. Right now, Lord, will you bring back every soul into this body that you want here? Even as we're praying now, may great conviction of your spirit fall upon them and say, I must get back to the house of God. I have to. Father, we give you praise for that. Next time I come, Lord, let this place be filled with your glory. Filled with your presence. Every seat filled to capacity. We are beyond this dark plague. We're beyond it. And we're moving back into the supernatural. We thank you, Lord, for blessing us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.